Welcome to The Coffee Chat, a podcast where I interview guests about topics ranging from wellness and nutrition to starting a business and growing a personal brand. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, perfect for getting inspired while drinking your morning cup of coffee. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get started. Welcome to the first episode of The Coffee Chat. Today, I'm interviewing Sadie Kurzban, the founder and CEO of 305 Fitness. 305 Fitness is a dance studio with locations in New York, LA, and Chicago, among others. Of course, with everything being virtual lately, Sadie has had to shift all of her workouts online, but her classes are available daily for free on YouTube at noon. Even if you aren't able to make the noon workout, you could still check it out later. She has all of her content on her YouTube channel, and I'll link it in the show notes. Her classes have made working out really fun, and they've kept me moving during the pandemic. Sadie has also created a really inclusive and positive fitness community. Besides the workouts, as a marketer myself, I love the 305 Fitness brand. It's bright pink, it has Miami vibes, and it's super consistent across all social media. Sadie also sends a weekly email with her upcoming workouts and the themes for each, and it makes me really excited about the classes for the week. Today, you'll hear from Sadie about starting small, maintaining her vision, and that fun 305 brand. As a side note, this was my first interview, so please bear with me on some of the audio. With that, please welcome Sadie Kurzban. So I wanted to sort of start with how you got started with 305 Fitness or how you you launched it and what made you start your own business right after college. So I got started by teaching dance fitness classes when I was in college, just having fun with it, experimenting, trying new things, never thought I wanted to start a business. And I amassed this following of a couple hundred kids that would come take my classes. And I really noticed how inclusive the space felt, how many people who weren't normally would, you know, be caught dead in a fitness class were coming to these classes and saying that they just felt so drawn into what we were doing. So that was really encouraging. And I knew that this had the potential to reach people who felt like fitness wasn't for them or wellness wasn't for them. And I just kept tweaking the format. I hired a DJ on Craigslist and he and I worked together and we really like evolved the format a ton. So it became less of a stop and start traditional dance class and much more of just this freestyle, really spontaneous party that was just super fun and is really a format I'm really proud of. I entered my university's venture pitch competition, won that competition and moved to New York in 2012 with $25,000 from that competition. Wow. That's amazing. Well, the music is some of the, like one of my favorite parts about it. So I think like the DJ route was really a cool sort of differentiator compared to other fitness studios. Do you still use a DJ for your class or how do you pick music? So yes, for the live classes, for our studio classes, for our online classes, we always have DJs. In person, the DJs are mixing live. This is something most people don't know about 305 is that the instructor doesn't know what the DJ is going to play, which makes it for a really exciting class. When we are teaching live, the DJs are making us pre-recorded mixes. So, um, but usually as an instructor, I just hit play and I'm just as surprised as you are by what the mix will be. 
Oh, that's funny. I didn't know if you had like pre pre choreographed everything or that's cool. As you were starting your own business, did you find the need to get any additional funding or were you able to like really bootstrap it? How did you go about that after the initial 25,000? So my heart was always in opening up a studio in New York City. And I imagined really like the studios that we have today with these crazy lights and it just felt like a party when you walked in and it could feel like this safe space. And um, it was more than just a fitness class. So I always had this vision of a brick and mortar studio, but opening up a brick and mortar studio is really expensive. It requires having money for a lease. It requires having money for lawyers. It requires having money for construction, which can be really expensive with all the needs and requirements of opening up a fitness space. So what I did was I started small with that $25,000 and I was just renting from dance studios at, for an hour at a time. So even though it wasn't the ideal setup, I would just rent from a dance studio, usually I would pay $50 for the class and charge $20 and try and get three people and break even and continue to do that. And it was, it was like that for about two years where it was mostly me teaching the classes, but also hired some instructors and we grew this following. And I think we grew it to almost 40 classes a week out of rented dance studio space. So we had grown to a couple thousand clients, you know, to a pretty sizable business before I decided to raise money and open up our first location. That's amazing. I think a lot of people today sort of think that they need a million dollars to start or, you know, need to get funded. And the fact that you were able to do it yourself is really cool. And especially right after college. How, I guess, did you ever consider maybe going a more traditional career path or were you nervous about starting your own business rather than going a more traditional route? I was, I definitely was. I, you know, I was a senior in college and a lot of different firms were recruiting on campus. So there was, I felt really tempted to maybe be a management consultant or go into investment banking. Uh, That was, you know, a career that was promising a lot of income right away and job security and the ability to learn. And I definitely felt super self-conscious that I, because I had never really worked anywhere and I had never managed a team. I didn't study business either that I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what I was doing, but what I did was I just trusted that I would just take that next step. And then the next step would become obvious along the way. And Importantly, if I ever ran out of money and, you know, that would just be that. And then I could always get another job. So um, I think I tried to just, it was, I did definitely felt really insecure and really self-conscious starting it. But I also just rationalized that there was really never a good time to start a business. I might have been inexperienced and young and had no money, but also if I would have done it later with more experience, maybe I would have felt even more afraid of leaving a secure career. So I just jumped in where I could and I told myself, I gave myself a year and I said, if it didn't work after a year, I would find a job. Well, it definitely worked out. Um, you have seven studios now. Is that true? Or maybe even more? But Yeah. So we have seven studios. Yeah. Across New York, Boston and DC. So just navigating the pandemic has been a real challenge for a lot of companies and going digital first. How did you adapt so quickly and sort of pivot? Um, I'm a huge fan of your virtual classes. I take them all the time, Um, but it seems so seamless to me as um, a user. How did you think about adapting? And it's, I imagine it's a very challenging time, um, especially for fitness studios that would be hit very hard by the pandemic. 
Yeah. So when coronavirus hit, I think it really caught us all off guard, you know, by surprise. We didn't have a digital plan B emergency plan in the works. Um, We were always focused on our studio business. So really within a matter of a week, we decided to, that it was going to get bad, that we were in New York City, that we had to close. Uh, we, We made that choice. I actually came down to Miami and to my parents' house and Really, it was just people in our community saying, I miss these classes. Can you please put a class up online? So I just went on YouTube and I went live and we posted it on Instagram and we said, hey, if you want to tune in, come tune in. And we had like a thousand people the first time that we did it. So we knew we were onto something. And then from there, I just tried to improve the technology a little bit. You know, I got a mic. I painted a wall in my parents' house bright pink. Um, I did what I could to kind of like make it look like a 305 experience. Yeah, I love the bright pink. It's a good touch. It also feels very Miami. <laughs> um, what are some tips for any listeners who need to pivot in their own lives or careers now, whether it be because they lost their job or they're just thinking that they need a career shift at this time? Um, I think this has been a great time for people to sort of think about what they want and what they want to do. Do you have any tips given your experience pivoting your business? Yeah, in terms of thinking about what career might be right for you, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I was in college, I I thought about the experiences in my life where I enjoyed the experience as opposed to thinking about an industry. So what I thought about was I, you know, I really like uh, coaching a friend through a breakup. I really like being a motivator. I really like teaching fitness. I really like teaching classes. So a lot of what um, came up for me was knowing that I really enjoyed the experience of helping people through some kind of transformation, motivating people. And so that helped direct me on on a more clear path where I knew, okay, I'm going to be a teacher or a business owner or something where I can really flex those skills of being a motivator and a teacher and a guide. Um, I think that that was so much more important for me than thinking about fitness or thinking about the specific industry. So that's what I would recommend when it comes to a career shift is considering what are the things, whether at work or not, that you just enjoy doing that you could do until the end of time and try to find a role for yourself. And you know, the industry and the company may be secondary to actually thinking about what you want to be doing day to day. That's interesting. Yeah. Sort of making whatever you're passionate about, um, finding the right role for you outside of that, outside of your current role, maybe. Yes. And Um, it takes a while. It really does take a while to figure out what you want to do. I'm still figuring it out, what I like to do, what I don't like to do. Well, it's good that you said, you know, teaching and motivating. Um, Your classes are incredibly motivating. So that definitely shines through. Launching this business right after college, I'm sure there were a ton of leadership lessons that you learned along the way, probably faster than most people who maybe don't start their own business. What are some of the top leadership lessons you've learned over the years as your business has grown? Well, I do think that my experience being a leader at a company has been through the lens of being a woman and being a young woman. So I don't think that this is true for every leader, but I do tend to be, I think, quite open-minded. And sometimes that means that I can lose myself and lose my own point of view and what I stand for. So this is going to be different for everybody. I know that there are a lot of leaders that need to open more. Um, I find that I need to come back to myself and really listen to my own inner voice more. And that could, that could be because I'm young. That could be because I'm a woman. That could just be because that's the way that I'm wired. 
But I have found myself in situations where I, you know, take people's feedback in, listen to their advice, and then I sort of forget what I want. So I would say that leadership for me has been a tricky um, try, and I'm always trying to find the right balance. I haven't gotten it right yet between wanting to be open and listen and wanting to feel approachable, but at the same time, knowing that I do have a vision that I want to bring into the world and I need to be clear on that vision use everyone else's perspective to help inform that vision, but not necessarily steer me in a path that I don't, I don't want to go in. Yeah, definitely. Especially as your business expands, I'm sure there are more and more opinions that you sort of have to filter through every day. Yeah. Something for me that's been helpful is thinking about a signal instead of a directive. So when people say something to us, we often think that it's a directive. Oh, I have to change this. I have to do this. But instead I can listen to all of that advice as a signal and really ask myself, oh, that advice left me feeling defensive or weird or uncomfortable or confused. Well, maybe that's actually just reason to double down on how I've already been thinking about things. So using people's suggestions, words, advice as, wow, it's amazing that people care so much that they want to help. And also I don't need to necessarily act on everything that's put on my table. I can use it as a signal and actually double down on, just use that as a signal for how I might actually be feeling. Yeah, I'm sure even with social media as well, that's a big thing too, because you're getting signals in from a lot of people and probably hearing a lot of feedback every day. And so being able to stick to your vision and know how you want to move the business forward would be important. That's right. We are really in a world that's built on external validation, especially Mm -hmm. in the social media world. It's about the likes, it's about who comments, it's about who buys, it's about who likes what you're putting out there. And what I think so many people have been inspired by 305 is that we have conviction, we have vision, we have authenticity, we really stand for something beyond just the bottom line. So that matters. You know, it matters to be open and flexible, but it also matters to have a point of view. Definitely, especially um, the past few months, the past few years, um, I've noticed you've taken a really strong positive stand on a lot of issues. And I think people, that really resonates with people. Switching gears a little bit, you have such high energy in all of your classes. You do a ton of classes every week, class every day sometimes. How do you keep energy up and what do you do to have so much energy, I guess, is the question. I'm very fiery. I'm always going 100 miles an hour and that's honestly just me. Um, But how do I have a lot of energy? I mean, I think that I'm just excited. I think really the passion behind what I do really does get me excited. So even if I'm feeling tired before class, once I get up there, I just find the energy because it's so much fun. Um, I'm not a, I'm not very militant when it comes to food and sleep and drinking and all these things. I just try and do my best. So, you know, I try to drink water. I try to sleep eight hours a night. I, ah, with food, I'm like, I probably just eat like most people. So, um, Yeah, I think that energy is really something that comes from the inside out. And we put a lot of stock into what we put into our body and how we take care of it. But energy really is like an everlasting force. It really does have to come from the inside out. Yeah, for sure. Do you have like a morning routine or any type of ritual that you follow? Uh, Depending on where I am and what I'm up to. But there have been phases, yeah, where I've really tried to be... Um, you know, discipline when it comes to meditating every day. That's one that I don't always have the 
you know, the desire to do, but I do find that it is helpful to really have that practice and do it every single day. I do try to work out every day because it just makes me feel good and gives me clarity. That doesn't need to be a 305 class. Sometimes it can just be that I walk around or I stretch or I do another class. So yeah, those are the things. Exercise, sleep, that matters. Yeah, for sure. Um, meditation, that's always on my list too. And sometimes it, it goes in phases, it ups and flows when I, right. when I actually do that. Well, I really, really appreciate your time today. And um, where can listeners find you? So 305fitness.com, 305fitness.com, and also on Instagram at 305fitness. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. You and I'm so, so excited to see you live in person in a class one day soon. Can't wait. Thank you, Can't Sadie. Wait. Thank you so much, Sadie, for being my first guest on the Coffee Chat. You can join Sadie at her next workout on her YouTube channel at 305 Fitness or join her in person at one of her studios. Here is my favorite tip that Sadie shared. Being a female CEO and launching a business after college has given Sadie a really unique lens on leadership. And while some leaders do need to open up more, it's really important to not lose your point of view and what you stand for. Even if you aren't a CEO or running your own business and you're an individual contributor, I think this advice is really relevant, especially for women to not take every suggestion or piece of advice as a directive, but rather really processing it as a signal and maintaining a point of view that aligns with your values. I hope you liked the episode. This is a new podcast, so if you have any feedback or suggestions or just anyone that you want to see interviewed on the show, please feel free to message me on Instagram at Olivia Santorelli. Also, if you liked this episode and the show, please take a second to rate and review and subscribe wherever you're listening. Thanks so much for joining.